this is uh, new, the new year. And um, at the beginning of the, each new year, we like to, or at least the last few years, I like to try to do a few messages that review and reemphasize again what are the core things that we stand for here at New Hope Church. And so um, for these first three messages, I, I want to emphasize that. Now, if you um, are with us, I don't know if you ever noticed this. We have a, we have a, um, a little line here at the top here under our, our church name. It says, a Jesus-centered family crossing generations and cultures. And this is just a, a, a short summation. And I hope that for those of you who really consider yourselves one with us, that this will be a meaningful, this, this will be a meaningful phrase for you because in this we pack what, what it is that we believe in and what we stand for. And um, we're a family. We're not just a, a series of individuals that are being consumers seeking the religion and the church that we prefer. Instead, we're a family. We belong to one another not by um, blood, not by genetics, but centered under somebody else, under this person named Jesus Christ. And we always proclaim him and the good news of what he has done for us, which we could never do for ourselves, and that's called the gospel. And today, I want us to get back to the gospel and really draw and bore in on the gospel, especially with respect to this issue of righteousness. That's what I want to, I want to preach on today. Um, the gospel, especially how it proclaims a new vision of righteousness. Now, that's not really a word that we really tend to use today, righteousness, because it, it feels very much like a religious word, and we, and we live in a very secularized culture. And so just because we're Christians, that doesn't mean you know, we tend to do as our culture does. And that's not a word that we Righteousness just means being a good person. I mean, you don't have to be a, a Christian or even a religious person to care about being a good person. And, of course, all our secular neighbors care about being a good person, too. And so today I want to talk about this issue of righteousness as Jesus talks about it. And we'll do this in three parts. Part one, this worldly righteousness. That's what I'm going to talk about personally. This world's vision of righteousness or what I'd like to call being a good person for our culture, Right? Part two, um, Christian Phariseeism. Jesus says this very extraordinary and shocking thing. It says that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you you won't be entering the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? And there is a way of being a Pharisee and being a Christian. You say you believe in Jesus and you can be a Pharisee and your righteousness does not exceed that of the Pharisees. I'm going to talk about that in part two. Christian Phariseeism um, as part two. And part three, receiving the king's righteousness. Receiving the king's righteousness. Let's get into this. Um, part one. Um, I, I, every now and then I like to reuse. So if you've heard this illustration before. Now, we got a, a lot of young people here. And they probably haven't heard this illustration before. So if, you, if you're one of our old timers, you might have heard this. So. Just apologize if I, you know, like, I already heard this illustration before, Pastor. So, come on, every now and then pastors, have, they get to recycle after, like, six or seven years, okay? Um, this past week, uh, do, you, do you guys do this? Uh, my wife tends to do this. She'll turn on the TV, and then she'll flip through channels. I mean, who watches TV like that anymore, where you're just looking for something? But my wife apparently does. And um, one of the, as she was flipping through, one of my favorite movies was on, 
And do you guys do this? You know, you, you just allow yourself to get absorbed in a movie, you know, like, or what we do is we're lazy, so, or like we hate commercials, so we'll like record the movie right there on the spot, and then we'll do something, and then we'll come back 20 minutes later so we can skip the commercials. But this is what we were doing, and the movie um, was Jerry Maguire. Have you guys seen the movie Jerry Maguire? It's a, it's a bit old now. It's from, the, it's from the 90s. That's when some of you were born, okay? Some of you were born in the 90s, okay? So maybe you haven't seen this movie. Um, the Jerry Maguire stars um, Tom Cruise. And in this movie, Tom Cruise plays a very successful sports agent. So for those of you guys who don't know, a sports, he's the person who negotiates contracts and he gets you a lot more money than you would do if you were a, an athlete and then you negotiate your own contract. So Tom Cruise plays this guy named Jerry Maguire. He's this hip-happening guy. He, he's like rich. And then he goes through this kind of like dark spell um, in his career because he gains a conscience because he's not, he realizes you have to do this more than just about money. And one, all his clients, all his superstar athlete clients leave him except one guy, and that guy's name is Rod Tidwell. And, uh, you know, like Tom Cruise, you know, he's a white guy, and Rod is black, and, you know, Rod is cool. And Rod is played by Cuba Gooding Jr. And so, you know, before this movie, Cuba Gooding Jr. was nobody. <laughs> and then he played Rod Tidwell, and then he became really famous, okay? And so, um, and he's having this very, and Rod is a very kind of like, uh, Rod is a very, is a very, um, how would you put it, uh, opinionated, <laughs> loud, uh, he's, he's a person who's just unafraid to just stick it out there. And he, uh, so Jerry and Rod are having this discussion, and Rod is unhappy because last year he put up the most yards of any wide receiver in football. He was more than Jerry Rice, more than, you know, Chris Carter, all these guys just, I, he goes, I smoked all these fools. <laughs> That's what he said, right? He goes, but he's mad because he doesn't have, he doesn't have the big contract. And he goes, he goes, some guys have the coin, but they don't have the quan. They got the coin, but they don't have the quan. And, and, and Jerry looks at him and says, he's like, what? <laughs> he's like, quan? He's like, is, is that your word? So what, what, what does that mean? And Rod goes, it, it's, it's all of it. It's the love. <laughs> it's the community. It, 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 it's the dollars. It's the quan. <laughs> it's the quan. And, and Jerry goes, whoa, that's a good word. <laughs> you know what that is? That's righteousness in this world. You know what Rod is talking about? So, uh, 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 there are people out there that would go into their, their chosen profession. You know, in, in Rod's case, he's a wide receiver in the NFL. And he's been very successful. He's caught more yards than anybody else, including you know, the greatest wide receiver of all, at least, at least that particular year, according to the story. Jerry Rice is the greatest wide receiver of all time. And um, he says, well, I, was, I was better than Jerry. I mean, if you can be better than Jerry, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty awesome, okay? So... It isn't just being good at your field, and then it isn't just making money. It's also having the community and honoring other people and them respecting you, and they love you, and you have the money, you have the success, you're, you're a good person according to everybody else, and that's the quant. 
for most people, if you can have the Quan, dude, that, that's, that's the bomb. <laughs> okay, let's see, use an old, okay, you guys probably don't use that word anymore. <laughs> that's like the top, okay? What, what more do you need than the Quan? And um, you should understand, when, when Jesus says this thing, that, you know, Jesus says this, because the law, there's the law and the commandments. I didn't come to get rid of those things. If anybody gets rid of, uh, you know, the, the, the word is iota, iota, or sometimes we say iota in English, but it's in, in Greek it's iota. Iota is, a, is, a, is an I. Every dot, there's a, it's an I. It's a dot on top of the I, okay? Iota is an I. <laughs> and then he says, anybody who gets rid of the I and the dot, even, even a little bit from the law, that's bad. I didn't come to get rid of that. I came to fulfill the law. And then let me tell you something. If you follow me, if your righteousness is not greater than that of a Pharisee, you can't even enter the kingdom. And let me say something to you about this time. A Pharisee, you know what a Pharisee is? So now you want to understand. Most people think a Pharisee is a really religious person, and he goes to church all the time, and I'm not a Pharisee because I don't go, and I'm not like that. No. You all, if you can live back, then you don't want to be a Pharisee. You know what a Pharisee is? A Pharisee is a person who has the quan. <laughs> he's got the righteousness. He's got the community. And in that time, you can't have the community unless you go to synagogue and keep the laws. If you don't go to synagogue and keep the laws, nobody will respect you and think you have any righteousness. Okay? So he has all the righteousness... And he's usually very educated because he knows the laws, and you know not every you, 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 he's a very well-educated person. And he has money. <laughs> what does that mean? That means he's got the quan. You and I, you, you know what everybody wants to be? Everybody in our culture. They, okay, I know this sounds very strange. Whether you believe in God or not, you're, you could be a, a person who's like, I'm not even sure which religion is true. So I guess I'm secular. You want the quan. You know what that means? You want the righteousness which the Pharisees have. And when Jesus says your righteousness must be greater than that of the Pharisees, he's basically saying, quan, that ain't good enough. That's what he's saying. Now, um, every culture chases the quan. Every culture. They just, just define it a little bit differently. In our society, you don't necessarily have to go to church, and um, you don't even have to know which religion is the right religion. You just have to be a good person. You know, so we have, uh, we have certain markers. So we have this word like tolerance. If, you don't, if you're not a tolerant person and accepting of all the other religions, then you're a bad person. You don't have righteousness, and nobody will respect you. <laughs> Or if you're a racist, so if you go around, I mean, at least if you're, if you're a blatant racist, if you go around and say, I, I, I think black people are poor, and they're poor because they're not as smart as everybody else. I mean, are you kidding? If you actually said that and believed that, people would go, okay, that's the end of our friendship. I'm going to defriend you on Facebook because I don't want anyone to know that I know you because I will lose all my community and you know what happens? As soon as you are a racist or you are known to be a friend of a racist, you know what happens? Your righteousness goes out the window. That means your fair sake of righteousness is gone. Your quan is gone. You will lose your job. See, you see how it's the money? 
You lose your community. You lose the love. It's, it's all the stuff Rod Tidwell said. Most of us, it's like, I'm not sure about the God part. Actually, in our culture, we love the Quan. Um, the God part is almost like not relevant. <laughs> as long as you can get the love and the community and the money, you got the Quan, and the God part is like, if it's helpful, then maybe we can use it. And guess what? That's exactly what the Roman Empire thought back then, too. The Roman Empire saw themselves as the most tolerant. I mean, one of the reasons why the Romans were such a successful empire is because they would conquer these people, and then instead of saying, oh, we hate your religion. We hate your religion because you sacrifice kids. <laughs> oh, we hate your religion because you have like, you know, a certain kind of like, uh, a sexual ethic that we don't like. They, didn't, they wouldn't say that. We would say, we like your God, too. <laughs> In fact, let's put your gods up there with all the other gods, including Roman, you know, our God, who is Caesar. And as long as you accept our righteousness, we will honor yours and we'll be tolerant. See, that was their version of righteousness. And that would be Roman Pharisees, if you ask me. And that would be like, as long as you have this, we'll do business with you and you can make money. We will honor you and you'll have community. And and if you're especially very good and tolerant, then, then we'll love you even. And so even today, we have a version of this. You, you notice that there's the people who just kind of like, yeah, you know, I, I kind of give a few bucks here and there and help out the poor. And that would be like kind of like a low-level quan righteousness. That's not quite, you know, pharisaical righteousness. That's like too low-level. But if you make a pilgrimage and see the Dalai Lama... <laughs> like Brad Pitt did, then now you're kind of getting toward like, you know, current day, I would call it modern day secular pharisaical quan. That's, that's, you're getting there, right? I mean, if you're Angelina Jolie and you go to Africa and then you like adopt poor children, I mean, that's a more righteous person. That's a really good person, isn't it? I mean, and I would say, I'm, by the, I'm not trying to mock her, that is a really good person. And there is real righteousness there. But, it's a this-worldly righteousness. You get what I'm saying? It's a this-worldly righteousness. And what Jesus is saying here is, if your righteousness is only about the standards of your community today, and only they will like it, and, then, and really, nobody really wants to admit it. Somewhere deep down, it's about how I'm comfortable, how people look at me, and the money that I have, then... Jesus will say, well, that's a pharisaical righteousness, and that's not good enough. Wow. Everybody in their time would see these people that are the Pharisees and go, those are the best people. (laughs) And Jesus took the best people in their culture, and he pretty much just said, this isn't good enough. And I want to say that to you. It doesn't matter what culture or what time. Every culture has a quan. Whether you're secular or very religious, whether you're, you know, the, the Muslims have their version of Quan. Okay? And, and, and if you were to go to like Thailand, the, 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 the Buddhists in Thailand would have their version of Quan. And of course in America, we have our this worldly version of Quan. And Jesus is saying, it's still about you having a good life here. That's all there is. It's, that's, that's it. It's, it's, you will have a very good life if you follow that here. But most of us, is that all we're chasing? And if so, that's not of the gospel. That's part one. 
Let me go to part two. Um, a fair Christian version of this. The Christian version of this. Um, or uh, let, let me give you, um, okay, like I said, I, if I'm going to recycle, <laughs> uh, if I'm going to recycle um, illustrations, might as well go at it. Um, one of my, my favorite preachers is Timothy Keller. And one of the things he likes to say, so he, you know, he's in New York City. And in New York City, all the action happens where? In Manhattan, Right? It doesn't happen out in the suburbs. It happens in center city. And one of the things he likes to say to you is you can be a Christian, but if Jesus is out in the suburbs, then you're not really following Jesus. You're not really, even, you're not really acting like a Christian. Jesus is out in the suburbs because, well, suburbs is where you just kind of go to sleep and you kind of like play with your kids out in the park. But really, all the real action, all the really important things happen in the center city. You get what I'm saying? That's the real power. The real, the real focus, where the real money is made, where what, what people really care about happens in center city. Now the question, let me ask you this question. In your life, is Jesus in center city? Or is Jesus in the suburbs? <laughs> Now, why are you talking about center city and suburbs? Because Jesus is talking about it. He says here that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Um, when I was a young boy, I, I would read this thing about entering the kingdom of heaven. You know what I always thought? I always thought that meant heaven after we die. It's like I would read this and go, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, after you die, you will go to hell. Okay, or like, that's like the really mean way of reading that. But that's the way I would read it and go, oh, oh my gosh, that means I better find the Pharisees. And then like, you know, like this, this totally feels like the most profound works righteousness legalism. I mean, like this is out of the mouth of Jesus. But doesn't it sound like he's preaching legalism? It's like, go be really intense religious person. Otherwise, no way. You ain't gonna, you're not, that's not what he's saying here. You know what? The, to enter the kingdom of heaven, you know what that means? He's not talking about something that happens after you die. In order, to, this might sound a very obvious thing, but in order to be in a kingdom, you know what you have to have? You have to have a king. And since we're all, we all live in a democracy, it's really weird. When, I mean, if we, there are, do you know that in Thailand, um, they have an actual king? And they honor that king. And if you even say something bad about that king's name, you could go to prison. <laughs> you know that? I mean, that's, that's actually how it works in Thailand. The king is so revered. And so um, the idea that the king is not obeyed or the king is not respected and that there isn't submission to the king is just, it's completely unthinkable. They actually are in a kingdom. It's like it happens to be the kingdom of Thailand. But we in America, is like we don't even get this idea. But if you live in the world, you can live in the world and there's two people. They both live in, you know, the kingdom of San Jose or something. And the kingdom of San Jose, of course, we worship money and technology out here. This is what we do. But in order for you to really be in the kingdom, you have to have a king and he must be on the throne. And you submit to that throne. You know where the throne is? It's in your heart. And you know what the heart is? 
in the Bible, the heart is not your feelings. Okay, we have the mind, which is my mind, and then there's the heart, which is my feelings. It's not, it's not, the heart is not the feelings. You know what the heart is? If your body and your life and your, and your life is like a city, the throne is center city. The throne is where all the action is. It's where all the things you care about. It's the things that drive you. It's the things that you most deeply value. That's where the throne is. And for lots and lots of people who say they are Christians and who go to church, Jesus is not on the throne. (laughs) Jesus is not in Central City. Jesus is in the suburbs. He's out there kind of on the corner. (laughs) And I could use a different, you know, let me use a different illustration. If your life is a dinner table, (laughs) Jesus is an appetizer. He's not the main thing. He's not the main thing. It's like, Oh, nibble on a little bit of Jesus, the salad. Okay, that, that's what I do, by the way. You know, when we go to a meal and they order a salad, I'll eat two little two pieces of lettuce just to get my wife off my back because <laughs> she tries to always get me to eat vegetables, right? And then I'm like, okay, the steak arrived. <laughs> this is the part I really care about. You get it? This is the main course. It's center city. This is the heart This is the throne. Is Jesus there? Is Jesus there? And if Jesus is there, now you're in the kingdom. You have a king. He reigns. You're in his reign. You submit to him. You revere him. You care about what he cares about. So if you're in a kingdom and the king cares about A and you care about B, guess what? You go, I'm going to stop caring about B to care about A, the king cares about poverty. I'm going to care about poverty. I care about getting rich, but the king cares about the poor. I'm going to care about the poor. That's kingdom. That's what it means. And there is a heavenly kingdom, and it's not just after you die. It's here. There's a heavenly kingdom now. And it's in some people, and it's not in other people, and it's right in the church. There are people walking into the church... And some of them have Jesus in the suburbs, and they're living in the kingdom of me. <laughs> and then there are some people, Jesus is center city, he's on the throne. And when Jesus says something, he says to a person, I want you to do this. I want you to follow this. I want you to care about that. And you know what? Those people in the kingdom say, yes, my king. You're my king. You're in the center city. I chase after that action. <laughs> because everybody, it's just normal. Everybody chases after center city action. Now, um, there is a, there's a, let me give you one more quote. This is, again, I'm, I'm, I'm just lifting from Tim Keller here. <laughs> Tim Keller loves quoting this, um, this uh, author. She's a southern author. Her name is Flannery O'Connor. Did you guys ever read any Flannery O'Connor when you were in English class? <laughs> and you're like, you, you've probably forgotten all about Flannery But I was an English major, so I know all about her, okay? Flannery O'Connor was Catholic. She's from the South. And she saw, she believed in God, and she understood the gospel. And, but she realized that all these people in the Bible Belt, Protestant South, had a way of being Pharisees. And she had this phrase, and she says, in the South... The way to avoid Jesus is to not sin. The way to avoid Jesus is to not sin. That's 
a version of Christian Phariseeism. Do you, do you understand what that means? There are some Christians, here's what they mean. They think that Christianity is mainly going to church and not sinning. <laughs> if I go to church, then I look like a Christian because Christians go to church. And then Christians also don't sin, so I will not sin, and then I guess then I'll be okay. You know what this is? This is a form of Phariseeism. Why? Because as long as you don't do anything bad, you think you're doing okay in life, and then you can chase after the things you really care about. In other words, Jesus is in center city. <laughs> but actually, that's not what Jesus cares about at all. Jesus is not interested in you not sinning. <laughs> you and I, that's not what Jesus really cares about. <laughs> you know what Jesus really cares about? You and I following him as king. <laughs> you get the difference? There are some people who come into the church and say, I usually break these rules and these commandments. And if I can get back on track and then follow those rules, then I'm okay. But that's just another way to avoid the real Jesus. The real Jesus doesn't just have a few rules that he wants us to follow. The real Jesus says, I want to sit on the throne. That's where I belong. That's my seat. I belong in Center City. And when I tell you to do something, you follow me. That's kingdom. That's the real Jesus. And when you pray to Jesus, if the only Jesus you pray to is like, Jesus, please forgive me because, you know, like I looked at porn last week. Or Jesus, please forgive me because, you know, like all I care about is like, you know, getting good grades on my, you know, like midterms because I want to make a lot of money. And so you only talk to him about the rules that you break and your sins. And all that matters is that he forgives you. And then you're okay again, and then you can go and pursue what you care about only, but Jesus stays in the suburbs. Now you're not in the kingdom. <laughs> but sometimes Jesus is odd, you know? I, I, I'm not, look, you know, you could have a problem in your life, and you think that's because that's your sin, the thing that you think is obviously bad. That might be not what Jesus is interested in right now. Jesus might tell you to do something else. And are you listening? Do you know? Do you even know? You know, Jesus is a real person. He's not just some guy just sitting out there, you know, just counting your sins like Santa Claus, you know, <laughs> checking his list, making it twice, seeing whether you've been naughty or nice. That's, that's, a, that's a fictional person, you get it? For a lot of us, we have a view of like Jesus kind of like really far away, checking our sin list. But actually, he's a real person that you talk to, and he says stuff back. And, so, and the things he says are, can be surprising, and they're odd. And when he says stuff back, that's like he's being a king. And he's not just speaking as a king to everybody. He's speaking a king to you. He's being your king. He's speaking to me. He's being my king. He's not just being New Hope's king or, you know, the king of all the universe. He's being my king. And he might say something like, I want you to just focus on your wife for a little while because you haven't been paying attention to her because you only care about your work. I want you to stop worrying about this sin problem that you, you regularly fall down on, but why don't you just focus a little bit more on your wife and stop putting her in a place and ignoring her? How about that? That's, you have a king. And many of us, um, we get kind of stuck. There's a lot of people I can see who get stuck in their Christian life right here. 
And so we love this portion of the gospel. See, the gospel has got multifacets to it. We love this portion of the gospel. And this is, of course, an absolutely glorious portion of the gospel, which is we break the commandments and we sin. And then Jesus takes all the sin and it's credited to him. And then his righteousness is credited to us. And then before the law, we're forgiven and we're free. Oh my gosh, we're free. But if that's the only part of the gospel you receive, that's called justification. If that's the only part you receive, then you don't have the whole gospel. You know what Jesus is interested in? Jesus is interested in not just the fact that you'll be utterly forgiven under the law and no more condemned. He absolutely is interested in that. That's why he died on the cross. But he also now wants to be your king. And if he's your king, he's interested in making you an utterly whole new person, a renovated person. He wants to renovate the inside of your heart. He wants to change your center city. And then you think differently. Your values are different. He wants your life, your heart, to be his kingdom. And when that happens, a righteousness will flow out which doesn't look like Quan. It'll be weird. It's different. It'll be humbler. It'll be stranger. It'll be funnier. <laughs> I've noticed that the, the people who are most free under the real gospel, they can laugh at themselves. It tends to be very generous and very forgiving and much more accepting and tolerant, but in a much better way than the world believes. And this is a righteousness greater than that of Pharisees. Um, let me go to part three. If you have a king, see, in one sense, there's Jesus who gave you a justification. He justified you and then he forgave you. He took all the condemnation that you and I deserve on the cross. But he's a risen king. And then he wants to draw you toward a whole new kind of righteousness. The, 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 the Bible calls it sanctification. It's a new kind of holiness. And it's not this worldly. It's actually heavenly. It's divine. It's otherworldly. It's eternal. And eternal people under a king are walking around because Jesus gave it all to us. All of it. None of it that we earn. None of it that you can grasp. He gave it all to us. He gave us the justification by forgiveness. And then he gave us the sanctification. You know why? By being our king through obedience. Justification we receive just because he just gave it to us. Sanctification we grow in because he'll be our king by grace. And, but there's a part in this. You know what this part is? This part is obedience and trust and bowing down to your king in center city. And I just want to close this message. I said that it looks strange. I want to just give you some pictures. Because when you can see a righteousness which is greater than that, which comes from the gospel, and having Jesus as your king, because having Jesus as your king, that's part of the gospel. It's not just having forgiveness, and then you get to go to a good place. It's having Jesus as your king. The people who really have Jesus as their king, and who bow down to him, they become rather wonderful people. Um, 
A few examples. And I hope you'd want this. See, I'm pressing you. I'm asking you a really good... To, to enter to, do you want to be like these couple people I'm going to describe to you? Something like this, because this is what kingdom life looks like. Or do you want just the quan? Are you stuck on chasing quan? It's like, stuck on chasing quan, got some forgiveness from Jesus, that's Christian fairness. There's just quan, that's secular Phariseeism. There's quan plus Jesus' forgiveness, that's Christian Phariseeism. But if you have the kingdom... Now we're, gonna go, we're going somewhere else. We're just, just That's like light speed. <laughs> we're going to another realm altogether. Um, I should have put this on a PowerPoint. I can uh, pass this around. I got this picture, and I, it's sitting on my bulletin board in my office. Once every now and then, when I'm kind of stressed out or in a discouraged place, I, see, I look at this picture. And um, it's two young boys from India. Uh, the guy, and, I, and there's notes on the back. And um, the guy on the left is a guy named Dalip. And the guy on the right is a guy named Munjit. And when this picture was taken, which was back in 2008, um, Munjit was 10, and Dalip, no, Munjit was 9. This guy was 9. This guy's 10. And who are these boys? They are, they live on the streets of Dehradun in India. And this picture was given to me by a missionary. Her name is Heidi Rist. And it was at our old church in Philadelphia. And I went to a presentation that she gave, and there was like maybe 15 or 20 people in the room. And she was sharing about her ministry. And Heidi, Heidi is, a, is, is, is American. She's, she's white. She's Caucasian. And she's a missionary on the streets in a place like Dehradun, in, in, I don't even know where Dehradun is because I don't know Indian geography very well. And she, she told a little bit of her story while I was sitting in, in her presentation. She said this, um, I, was, uh, I thought I was going, I, I, I thought I had it all. I was going to a good college, and then after I graduated college, I was making money. <laughs> and then I had a boyfriend who I, I was in love with, and we were living together, and I was feeling empty. Do you get it? She had a good college. She had the love. She had the money. She had something like Quan. And she was feeling empty. She grew up in church. So she started going back to church. And she said it was a really big church, and she used to sit in the balcony because she didn't want anybody to see her. And the pastor would talk and preach the gospel about how people would live for Quan. <laughs> And she says, I'm living with my boyfriends, which I know that I'm not supposed to do, and, and, uh, and I'm living for myself, and I have Quan, but I'm miserable. And the pastor would preach the gospel, and she would just sit up in that balcony and weep. And she came back to the Lord, and then over time, you know what the king told her to do? I want you to go to where there are really poor people and love them. She went to India, <laughs> to the streets of India. And you know what it was like? This is really amazing. She, she, she tells this really kind of shocking story. She says that she'd go to church in India because she's a Christian, and you know, there's like, you know, she'd meet Indian Christians. And then she would go, and then on Monday, she would go hang out 
with the dirt poor boys on the street, the boys and girls on the street, because there's like just abandoned kids living on the street in India. And then she would befriend them, and then she would go to church, and then the Christians at church would say, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? <laughs> Do you get it? Even they couldn't quite see that the king told her to do this. Instead of saying, the king told you to do this, we should help you, or at the very least, pray for you. Instead, they're questioning her. What, what, you're weird. What's, what, what are you doing? She's living in a kingdom. She's living for a king. And I'm not trying to judge those Indian Christians, because guess what? If we had a Heidi wrist in our church, and then she would start doing this, and then came into our church, I bet you a number of us would go, she's weird, what the heck is she doing? That's a kingdom person. Some of you are going, oh my gosh, I can't be like Heidi, that's too much. Okay, how about something like this? I know a brother, um, I won't say his name, but a number of you know him too, lives right here in San Jose, used to go to our church, Um, but um, his father and mother, they divorced when he was young, and his father was physically abusive to his mother. And after his parents got divorced, he's a Christian, he grew up in church, believes in Jesus, absolutely, the whole nine yards, everything. Inerrant word of God, salvation by grace, everything, right? A pretty successful guy in his life, did well in his career, etc., right? And, um, and one day, in his small group, uh, in his small group, one of the brothers started wrestling with his hatred toward his father, and he started to realize that if I that what Jesus wants from me is for me to forgive the father that I hate. And this brother, because he had another brother in his small group that was wrestling to forgive his father, started hearing from Jesus, I want you to forgive your father. He says, I hate my dad. I actually would like to murder my dad. And I'm glad he hasn't been in my life for many, many years, and that's the way I want it to be. And and then he began to share this. He says, I think Jesus is telling me to forgive my dad. And everybody in the room said, wow. And so then he told the story about his father, and of course none of them knew anything about that. And then he said, but there's a problem. I don't want to do it. Two, I like hating my dad. I'd rather kill my dad than forgive my dad. The whole small group started praying for him. And they said, thanks for sharing that with us. We know we're just like you, sinners who can't do. We'll pray for you. And all those brothers and sisters started praying for him. And then bit by bit, Jesus went from suburbs to center city and the throne. And he started taking little steps. He started praying, I can't forgive my father. First, it started just with that, I can't forgive my father. And then two, okay, I'll call my father. (laughs) Then three, I'll visit my father. And to this day, he has a great relationship with his father. (laughs) And it took the kingdom of God entering into his life. You see it? This comes when you get the whole Jesus, the whole gospel, 
Jesus came to give us a whole new life by grace. Not a kingdom waiting over there, a kingdom that's waiting to break in now. The king who wants to give you his righteousness. Not ours. Not, I'll avoid Jesus as long as I don't sin. That, that, that's our righteousness. But when the king is sitting on his throne, he starts telling you to do things. He's saying, come to my goodness. Come to a kingdom righteousness. Far greater than that of Pharisees. And by grace, even if you can't do it, don't worry. Just follow. Come to the throne. I'll help you. And Jesus will pull us toward a righteousness far greater than that of Pharisees. And a whole new kingdom will break in and a whole new life will break in. This is the first Sunday of the year, the first day of the year. and We're going to go to the table of the Lord. And we have 364 more days in 2017. And I would like to ask you today, if you are a follower of Jesus, especially if you're a member of our church, would you say, I'd like my resolution to be, Jesus, would you be in Center City? Would you be on the throne? I want your kingdom. I don't want you out there on the suburbs. I, I don't want my righteousness. I want to throw my righteousness away. I want yours. And if you say that to him, I give it to you. And the kingdom will break into your life and new and glorious and beautiful things will happen to you, in you, with you, through you. Because incredible things happen in the kingdom. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, there's a new year and we always hope that the new year will be better than the old year. And um, we always want to see new and wonderful and beautiful things happen in us, to us, with us, and those around us. And I can't imagine anything more beautiful than the kingdom breaking into this small, pathetic, pharisaical, quan-addicted little life with our righteousness. This is, this little life of this worldly righteousness and quan and our Pharisaism, this is the stuff of, it's just, just passing away. Maybe it can make us happy for just a little while. It can give us a little more money or maybe we can have a little bit better love life or, or better grades in our midterms, but you want to make things so much more beautiful and so much more wonderful and glorious. And I pray that we would go to you as king and let you sit on the throne and we'll bow down before you. Not our righteousness, but yours. Far more than any righteousness we can ever muster up. Your unbelievable righteousness which comes through you being king and our trust and obedience in you. May your righteousness spill out of our hearts into our lives as we obey you and you do glorious and incredible things around us. As we go to your table now, give us hope in this. Give us faith in this. Give us longing for this. Break our small hearts, our hard hearts, our dried up hearts and fill them with your life. Fill them with your spirit. Fill them with yourself. In Jesus' name. Let's get the lights here.
We're going to go to the table of the Lord. Can't imagine a better way to start a new year. You know what this is? This is the life of Jesus given to us so that we can have the righteousness, not ours, but his. He broke it so that he could give it. He broke it on the cross so we could eat his righteousness. And this is his blood. His blood was shed so that our righteousness, which is really filled with sinfulness, it could be washed away and in can flood in his righteousness. His sanctification, his holiness, his kingdom. If you are not yet a follower of Jesus and been baptized into his church, his kingdom, and yet, in giving your life to him, yet, I want to ask you today, you're not quite ready for this? That you would refrain from taking this bread and this wine, but you would receive Jesus instead. You would say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness and I need your kingdom. Would you receive me today? I would love to baptize you and join you in this incredible meal of the kingdom. But for all those of you who are Christians, today I want to ask you a question. And this question is this. Do you want Quan and Christian Phariseeism? Or do you want Jesus as your king? That's the question. We all fall down. And it's like we all just kind of slip into Phariseeism and just and then we try to like like lower <laughs> the things he wants of us, and then we get really deaf to the things he calls us to. But actually, would you commit today before you come up saying, Lord, I want to hear you again. I want to pray to you again. I want to have real conversations with the real Lord, not just some distant person I want to take care of my sins, but I want to know what you want from me. And I want to go to it and obey it and have a kingdom life. If that's what you want, I invite you to come up and receive this most glorious bread and have your Phariseeism washed away. If that's what you want. But if you don't want that, then you shouldn't come up. You, bring, you will drink and eat judgment upon yourself because you will defile this. You defy yourself. And you'll be lost. I'm not trying to scare you, but that's what's, what's we're going to. I'm asking you today, will Jesus be your king? Because in Jesus your king, then you have his righteousness and his washing. And you'll have everything. <laughs>